Our special guest is Dr. Lewis Lee, the founder of Children of the Night and the world's leading expert on rescuing child sex trafficking victims. Uh, the human trafficking, child trafficking in general itself is something we firmly believe in at Silver Spear Security. And we're fortunate to have Dr. Lee here to kind of talk about her organization, her history, and how moving forward through this split we're in now that we can be better serve her causes. So thank you for joining us today, Dr. Lee. Thank you very much for inviting me. So how did, if you could give us kind of a background in Children of the Night, uh, and then kind of how the kind of lead into how this current shutdown or COVID-19 is affecting your goal and missions at Children of the Night. Well, I was a graduate student working on my doctorate's degree in sociology. I didn't have any intention of doing this kind of work. Um, and I researched police reports that were used in a lawsuit against the police department. Uh, we sued the police for not arresting an equal number of customers. I ended up in the middle of court cases and met young prostitutes and then Turned out I ended up catching a serial murder known as the Hillside Strangler. Who killed the 11th victim. Um, and I was very angry with the police and I went on the news and I asked the police to, uh, or I asked people in the public that if they were involved in the prostitution business to please call me if they didn't want to talk to the police um, and give me the information. And the press joined me and my phone phone number became a hotline and I became a legend among the underground. And um, I have found kids on the streets. I met organized crime figures, pimps, pedophiles, um, people in strip clubs, madams, call girls, people in massage parlors, um, and became known as the bravest little girl in the world among law enforcement, which was quite flattering to hear it from them. And uh, That's incredible. I yeah, several different kinds of programs. I started by taking children into my home. I operated street teams throughout the western region of the United States. I had the first drop-in center in the heart of Hollywood. I had the first 24-bed shelter home, comprehensive social services, and I had moved, and at the end of 2017, I closed the shelter home because the laws had changed, that the children who were trafficked now became under the jurisdiction of foster care or law enforcement and were held in jail until they testified. So you, I could no longer operate a facility without the police having access to those kids and taking them into custody. So I took my program digital and took it back to the streets where I started. And uh, kids call us and we, have, we went from helping 60 to 70 kids a year to helping 500 kids a year. We took our uh, school and put that on Zoom and uh, to where they literally, if they wanted to, they could be uh, working out of a truck stop in a motel room and do their algebra on their iPhone and finish their algebra and go back to business. And it was something the pimps would let them do. And I'm now trying to break into the gangs in order to access the girls that are dominated by the gangs in order to do their, their high school diploma. And even gang members too, I guess. Um, but they tend not to stay with education. We know that from our experience with continuation schools. So I was way ahead of the game before the virus hit. And I had already done the transfer into the digital programs, the online programs, um, and was reaching 90% more kids. 
And, uh, and I'm really good at mobilizing people from someone who calling and training my staff when someone calls and they need to be rescued, but getting them out of there immediately and not having to wait for anyone and not having to depend on the police. So I think that one thing that the big change was that kids that had jobs and that were in school and were tutoring um, lost their jobs, couldn't work. They, um, and so rather than needing support for school supplies, they needed food and they needed housing money and they needed the basics. And it was very hard on them because of the fact they went from, you know, overcoming this horrific, you know, uh, abuse and exploitation to being set back again. And so we, we prevented them from hitting the streets again, but it was a setback for them. Um, but we find that we're able to pull them across the finish line and we're, we're starting to mobilize them back into the educational institutions. One of the interesting things uh, when I was kind of researching you is before you, what, before you got involved, they kind of treated, treated child victims or human trafficking victims as more criminals, but you kind of made the approach where they're not criminals, they're victims. So I think that's something that's really cool that you were able to help law enforcement with. Well, and we had a really good run with that, um, I, but the attitudes have changed again and it's gone back. The model program was created with the Los Angeles Police Department, and uh, we would get the calls, they would do the rescues, they'd give us the kids, we'd care for the kids, kids would testify in court, their records would be dismissed. And as that became really well known among the Department of Justice, they just thought it was a whole lot simpler to get the calls from the kids, so they set up their own human trafficking hotline, go out and get the kids and throw them in jail and have them near them so they could have them available whenever they want them to testify. So the whole human effort in between got left out. And uh, so we've really gone several steps back and, and you can hear it when you're talking to police officers, the same police officers sometimes who were really caring about the kids and concerned about the kids um, now regard them as liars and cheaters and you can't trust them and they call them nasty names. And so that's very disheartening. So I feel like in many ways, you know, we had a good run, it didn't last. As someone that is, as I learn about this stuff and I hear and I read stories about victims and families and I see statistics just in the USA alone. It makes me angry. So how are you able to do what you do for so long? Are you able to kind of control that anger and make it a fit? for how you want to operate because for me I want to grab all these perpetrators and just beat them up and so but that's not the right way to handle this so how do you you know what point in your career did you realize that you could kind of put your anger towards this to be more beneficial well I learned very early on that for many of these children life with a pimp was better than life at home so uh, many of them, most of them were abused at home by family members or sold by their parents for drugs. Um, and uh, a pimp would say to them, you don't have to do this anymore. Uh, I can show you how to have sex with men and how to make them give you money and pay you for the same sex that you're having. And you can have clothes and shoes and jewelry and makeup. And that's one of the things that made it really hard to break the, the dependence between the young girl and the pimp because for the first time in her life she had someone that was treating her like a lady. Grant you, he abused her, 
but many, many women in this country live in relationships with men who, 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 who abuse them. Domestic violence is very prevalent in America. So um, you, you have, if you're going to just hate the pimp or hate that person, then you're going to miss half of what's going on. Um, and um, many times they're in love with the pimp, so you have to work with that. And, and the families are unsuitable. And so it's a matter of getting on the journey with the child and going step by step. And maybe the first thing is to get her medical treatment. Maybe the next thing is to get her dental treatment. Maybe, um, maybe some counseling, some clothes, some hygiene, um, showing her that she can do her homework, that she can do some other things. Um, giving her some self-esteem by incorporating her into your organization. Um, I always believe that you are what you do, not what you say. So you can't just take them from where they come from and expect them to make that jump and impose your middle-class values. Because the minute you try and impose your values on them, you've lost all communication and all ability to effectively communicate or influence the decisions that they make in their life. How something that no one's really talking about the idea of schooling and this fall if kids go back to school and that kind of leads to uh, I mean you see statistics now where domestics are out alcoholism abuse back in the home is that something that kind of worries you or is that a trend where it's we not to get political on the whole schooling thing but is that an issue you kind of have to look at or look forward to? Well, our kids go to school anyway online with us. They're they're studying for the high school equivalency. Our kids aren't in traditional schools. They haven't been for many, many years. Uh, traditional schools were ineffective at dealing with them and their problems. So um, it, it doesn't, our kids live in pretty violent worlds, period. Um, whether it's boyfriends, whether it's partners, whether it's, you know, relatives, family. Right. You know, they're, they're, and, and where they are, I mean, on the streets and in shelters, kids get raped in shelters. They get beaten up in shelters. You know, it's, it's. They have, a, they have a really long journey. And I say to them, I can't change what happened to you. I can't make that go away, and neither can any psychiatrist. But what I can do is that I can help you develop space between the life you lived and the life you have now. And that soon you'll forget the details of what happened. You'll never forget the memory, but you'll forget the details. Right. What are, if I'm out working with a client in a, in a concert or a festival or somewhere out where I'm you know, just doing my job, what is there certain things I can look for in terms of a kid that could be having issues or is it something where I kind of just tell law enforcement, how do you, how do you recommend someone reports these type of issues to you? Well, I mean, or you have our card, like yourself. hotline number, but it's really up to them to call. You can't force them into to getting treatment. You, you tell law enforcement, law enforcement is going to put them in jail. You think they're going to like you? You know, you become part of the enemy. Uh, the police officer becomes part of the enemy. You could say, hey, kid, you know there's help, and you, here's children of the night, here's, right. a, here's a number. Call them, day or night. You know, no strings attached. No government, no cops, no FBI. And they'll call eventually because there's really no one else to call. You don't need any identification. You don't need any requirements. You don't need to make a right. confession. You know, you don't have to police. One of the things you've, uh, you have a petition on your Instagram page yes. about helping the victims. How, how has that, has 
Does that amplified the issue of child trafficking or human trafficking kind of the way it's been brought into the media with the Epstein case and the Epstein victims who are so strong and so brave and willing to speak out at all costs, and there are lots of costs to them, um, have revealed that it's not just the guy in the alley with the trench coat that's trying to have sex with children. These are politicians, they have high profiles, they're wealthy men, they have power, they have an organized network, and they use children for sex. And, and God bless them because uh, no one has been able to, and I've spent my whole entire career talking to I'm blue in the face to try and convince people that that's true. No one has been able to bring that home better than the victims of the Epstein case. And I'll do everything I can to support them. And I ask people to go to change.org and sign Do you think the media, and, that, and that's something that we, uh, it's, I definitely recommend. At the end of this video, we'll do a post for the link to uh, sign up for that petition. And so I guess a follow-up question, do you think the media is not really doing it? Do you think the media is not doing a justified assistance to this, these issues? You're considered conspiracy theorists. How do we break through that barrier to help these victims? Well, I, I think you have to sign the petition. And I, I think that, you know, um, there are lawyers, and then particularly Brad um, is the was the first lawyer who contacted me in the early 80s because he, he, he was standing alone trying to sue on behalf of, these, of a young woman. Um, and these strong, wealthy, powerful men um, were saying, well, they're prostitutes. Well, of course, they were promiscuous because their sexual dignity had been taken from them by Epstein and his powerful friends. Um, and he, you know, the, the Department of Justice even went after his law license. And there was a conspiracy to try and, and shut him up and intimidate him, and he stood strong. And other people have come forth to stand around and to help the victims and to keep this in the forefront. And I was real worried with the COVID virus that it, this thing would be swept under the rug, but. Lo and behold, out came the Netflix documentary. If you haven't seen it, I suggest you do on um, Jeffrey Epstein, um, that there it came and it was right out there in the forefront. So it's not going away, it continues on. And now with the arrest and incarceration of uh, Gwen Maxwell, um, I hope she talks. I hope she talks and my guess is she's been talking for some time now and that an arrangement's already been made. And. Uh, Hopefully she'll live to tell her story. And I, I hope the same thing. I totally agree with that. One of the issues I have with this whole kind of FC Maxwell thing is there's people right now, fuck police or whatever Black Lives Matter, whatever cause you win, I'm all for protesting. But I think if there's one movement that everyone should be unified behind is the child trafficking, human trafficking. It's just weird seeing more people get together to chop the head off a Christopher Columbus statue than actually march for these children that are missing daily, every day. Well, children have never really been a priority in America. And uh, I think that's been evident by the way they were treated in the early 1900s in orphanages. And they were abused and they were used as labor. Um, the sexual exploitation of children um, has always gone on. 
and incest and, and foster care has been an absolute disaster. And there's not been any real attempt to help these kids. Um, and there's never enough money in order to do it right. And some of the brightest and most capable people don't really want to put up with a very tough system that doesn't want to hear the truth. So um, it's, I don't know that it'll ever, I think that the best shot we have at bringing this issue to light is to expose the fact that people we normally would look up to with power and fame um, and lots and lots of money are equally involved in this. And there's been lots of rumors um, about wealthy people and politics and stuff being involved with children for sex for many, many, many years. Um, and uh, it's never held water. This case is not gonna go away and I'm gonna do everything I can to make sure that these women are supported and that their story gets told. That's awesome. Uh, one of the things, we, we always get these kind of weird, I always find these weird trivia and I see these stats uh, kind of where I'm like, I don't know if I believe that. So one of the questions is I read that events like the Super Bowl and high profile events like the Olympics and anything that brings in a raft of different people together, there is a spike or a renewed interest in child or human trafficking. Is there any truth to that? Or is that one of those things where the media kind of just is no. throwing that stuff out there? No, it's urban legend. And um, think about it for a minute. If you're a pimp and you've got some girls that are prostitutes, are you going to take them to a very expensive place to work that has more security than any other place in the world during that specific time? No. Pimps are going to, but what will be active is the Motel 6s and the outlying suburbs and the cheaper venues and the street prostitution um, to where there'll be plenty of traffic. Now, for the bigwigs in the Olympics and the Super Bowl, they certainly have access to some of the most beautiful call girls throughout the world who come in from Paris, they come in from Hong Kong. I've known many of these women. Oftentimes they're interviewed and screened to make sure that they don't have pimps, they're not drug dealers, and they're not thieves before they're brought in to take care of the very wealthy elite um, who are part of the gangs. So, um, it, you know, it's the, the tragedy of the money spent. You know, I said to uh, NYPD at one point uh, about their games, I said, if you want, you know, there's never any arrest, by the way. You can ask police departments, how many arrests did you make during one of these games? The numbers are really low. But I said to the police, if you were willing to take all, instead of taking your vice cops and all your detectives and putting them at the games to protect tourists, if you would take all of your cops and put them in the outlying areas with the, the, and I hate to beat up Motel 6, but I use it as an example because it's such an icon, but that type of motel, um, if you put all your cops there, then you'd have tons of arrest. But that's not what you're going to do. And the detectives were really excited because that would be the first time they ever got attention for the hard work that they do. Um, but it's not, it didn't happen and it's not going to happen because interest in protecting those who have the money right. always at the foremost of America. Do you think television shows like SVU, Special Victims Unit, and kind of like those, those type of shows, or do they help your cause or they, is it too Hollywood for you to even kind of relate to? Well, those stories are all true stories. Um, and I think that they do an excellent job. But I also think that when people look okay. at it, when they look at it, they're able to objectify it and see it as entertainment and pretend in some fun way in their mind that it's not true. Or they say, oh my goodness, that's terrible.
but they pretend that it didn't really happen because it is television. It is a, a different medium. It's different than a little girl being drugged in front of you and beaten up and thrown on your footsteps. You know, you know, I, most how many kids have gone missing this year and how many go missing every day? Nobody knows. Um, the numbers are not accurate. Many children go missing and they run away. So, so those numbers are not accurate. Um, the number of stranger abductions is not as high as what you would think they are. Um, uh, men, you know, it's, many kids are not, you know, well supervised and many kids live in extended families and live with friends. Um, so it's, it's not, you know, again, it's, you know, you're assuming the kids are coming out of this perfect little gingerbread house with a mommy and a daddy and a school and, and homework table. And that's not where we live. That's not what is coming out of an American family. People are struggling in order to make ends meet. Children are latchkey kids. They're left on their own. Some of them live in dangerous neighborhoods who have to join a gang to survive in order to get to and from school. They're not choices that they make. Um, and many kids, many young girls are gang raped. It's, it's more common than, than, than you would think, particularly in poor areas. And you can go out there and beat up everybody you want, but it, it, it's so enormous. The problem is so enormous. And, and it's so widespread. As a security firm, how can we get more involved with helping children tonight? I think that if you see children that you believe are at risk, you could give them the phone number. We could give you cards to hand them and tell them that there's someone there to help and to make the call. Make the call. If, um, and it has to be voluntary. You can't force someone to make the call and then force them to go to a particular place. You have to be ready. When you're ready, they'll call. Um, they have to make that decision. And you know, it's, it's, people don't realize that when children run away, they have resources. They have their friends they've met on Facebook and Instagram and other social networks. They think they know where they're going and what they're going to do and they believe they're in control. How has social media made your job more difficult in the sense of these kids being preyed upon by uh, older adults? I don't think it's made it harder. I think it's made it easier. Um, because we're also part of social media and we, we have a lot of kids who contact us through our social media. We're aware of the social media websites. Um, we have some of those social media websites will run ads for children of the night and oftentimes law enforcement or other agencies will get really mad. And I said, you know, if you don't get in there, how are you going to reach these kids? If that's offensive to you, that's where our children are. And, uh, and I want to let them know we're available and that we're ready for them when they're willing to come out. I don't That's think awesome. I actually like to print a card with our phone number and a website. Do that. I am 100% behind that idea. I think it's great. On average, if on a door, we're probably in front of five, six million people a year. And so we're bound to see something on our team. And I think it's a good way to kind of at least help you or at least give those kids the opportunity to help themselves. Right. Thank you for helping. And so you're on Instagram. Um, you guys have a website. Is there any other ways where we can kind of reach out to you? Do you guys have Twitter or anything else that we can kind of just send people to check out your stuff? 
Well, we're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. It's Children of the Night, Inc., I-N-C. And uh, they go to our website. It's childrenofthenight.org. And uh, they should um, join our fight, put in their email, and they'll get monthly newsletters of what's going on and what we're fighting for and what's happened to our kids for that month. Thank you again, Dr. Lee. Uh, thank you for your time. Thank you for your steadfast um, assistance to these kids and what you're doing. I, you, there's definitely a spot in heaven for you. So keep, keep up the good fight. We'll do whatever we can to help you. I love the card idea. And then uh, further, we're all about it. Thank you so much for giving me an opportunity to share our story. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Again, to Dr. Lee, uh, childrenofthenight.org. Everyone, please go there to your support. This is something that should not be political. There is no sides to this. This is saving a human life. This is ending human trafficking. This is saving the kids. I think everyone should read it. Do it. Thank you. Until next time. when we play outside we become healthier both mentally and physically we become more creative and more focused we connect with nature each other and ourselves let's take this outside a new podcast hosted by me marianne iveson an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover i speak to athletes outdoor professionals and scientists about their connection to nature how it affects their performance and everyday life Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.